in our time of prayer, there was a picture of us coming like a child. And I was just thinking about that picture of coming like a child. And I thought about my own girls and how they experience things for the first time, just driving through Edo, and they see this elephant, and we draw, we kind of drive past this elephant, and they're like, oh, they're in awe and wonder of this thing. It's the first time they've seen it. It's in these moments we meet Jesus, and we're just in awe and wonder of who he is. Sometimes over time, we start to lose that awe and wonder. I think what the Lord wants to do tonight, this morning again, is just to lead us back into that place when we're just looking at Him. We're just lost in awe and wonder. We just stand and we're looking at His beauty. We're looking at His splendor. How beautiful He is. How glorious He is. How wonderful He is. How majestic He is. How loving He is. How merciful He is. How patient He is with us. How kind He is with us. How His love comes and pours over us again and again a love that we don't deserve. A love that we can't earn. We can do nothing. But come. Just bring our hearts. And a beautiful thing is, it tells us in Chronicles, the Lord's eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those who devote their hearts to Him. And in that moment says, so that He will step in. And be strong for them. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We love you. We love you. So Chronicles. It's not in my notes. Yeah. It's beautiful, man. Where do you go from here? Look at all of you, man. We're all so different. Got young and old. Different languages, cultures, and uh, yeah, today it's just another Sunday where we meet together. But is it just another Sunday? It's a, when I look at all of you, it's actually a miracle. It's a miracle that we're here together. What are the chances that we would actually, that we would actually meet one another even, you know, in life, let alone, let alone hang out together? And it's a beautiful thing when we come together and we, yeah, we come together with, with one voice to worship Jesus because it really it is all about him. We are here to make his name great. And that is the one thing that kind of draws us together. And uh, um, yeah, so do you find it there, Chad? You find it there? <laughs> oh, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Okay, let me read some scriptures first, man. And we'll see what the Lord does. I think the Lord actually wants to do a little bit more in our hearts even to, um, today. So we're going to cut this thing down, I think, big time. We're going to cut this thing down. Okay, let's go. 1 John 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them how can they love God how can the love of God be in that person dear children let us not love with words and speech but with actions and in truth 
Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, it says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, to be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Sure, man. I'll start with a story. Sarah and I had, uh, about two weeks ago, we went to go and visit one of the communities within the congregation. And yeah, it wasn't, actually wasn't a great visit. We had to deliver some, some really, some sad news. And uh, there was a, a young lady in our congregation, a couple, they've been dating for a long time, for six years, and they were really wanting to do things right, man. And they, yeah, they were such a blessing to us. And, and they were at the point of getting engaged, and they took some leave, some time off, and uh, they went to Joburg to go and be with their family. And uh, so Zano was going to go in for a, a small procedure. She was going into theater. And what happened in theater, there were some complications, man. And the anesthetic didn't work out so well, and she stopped breathing, and they, their best efforts wasn't good enough, man. She passed away. Not even 30, a young life. She passed away, and her... Her, her, her fiance, they were about to get, Tabisa had bought the ring. He was, he was about to get engaged here. And his heart broken, man. And that was on the Tuesday, on the Wednesday morning, she passed away. And so Sarah and I head into the community to, they were part of this comm. And the comm leader's just like, we can't do this. We can't break this to the comm. We need help, man. So Sarah and I go, and like, I don't know, I don't know how much help we're going to be. We're going to try and frame this thing as best we can and point, and point everybody to Jesus. And and so as we're pointing everybody to Jesus, and we're talking about the storms of life that sometimes comes, and they come unexpected, and we do our best to avoid them, but they're unavoidable at times, and how we posture our heart to the Lord, and how we look to Him, and in that moment, Jesus calms the storm. He says, peace be still, you know. We're speaking to them, and then we open the floor, and we, we say, listen, guys, let's just spend a moment just thinking about her life and what she meant to you. And I must be honest, I must confess, actually, in that moment as... Just as a leader, I manage my expectations sometimes when we go like, okay, if one or two people would share, that'd be wonderful, you know, and we'll add some things to it and, and we'll pray for Tobiso and we'll. And in that moment, oh my goodness, the people just started to share what she meant to them. How much they loved her and how much she loved them. We started to, they started to recount stories of just the one girl's luck. I don't think I'd know Jesus if it wasn't for her. She touched my life so deeply. And the stories just go around the room. And in a moment, like there's not, there's not a dry eye in the room anymore. And we all like crying, <laughs> thinking about her life. But in a moment, I zoom out. And the Lord gives me a glimpse of what's going on in the room in that moment. And I, and I look at the room and I go like, oh my goodness. How can these people be so deeply connected to one another? 
okay, well, like, Lord, like, help me to understand here, because I'm, I'm seeing a bunch of, like, really Afrikaans guys, like proper burkis, you know, and I'm seeing some Kosa-speaking people, and I'm, I'm seeing, like, there's, like, a sprinkling of soti in there, you know, like, <laughs> across, and it's, like, it's a bunch of English guys, and, and they're sharing with such affection about Zano, but in, even in the, as, as they're sharing, they're speaking to one another with such love and affection. And I'm seeing this in a moment, and I'm going like, Lord Jesus, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. How can these people be so deeply connected to one another? And it's in that moment, I just felt the Lord say like, yeah, well, it's only I can do miracles. It's only me, you know? And I've, in that moment, I just, the Lord just said to me, well, it started with, started with these hearts turning to me. started with salvation. I was like, Lord Jesus, it's beautiful. Just looked on this thing and I go like, your church is so beautiful. Your church is so beautiful. How we need one another. How we need those deep love connections with one another. Because how else would we know Jesus? You know, we got blinkers on as people. We only see in part. The Bible talks about we look in a faded mirror. We only see in part. But when we look at how the Lord is working in each and every one of our hearts, we start to see Him a little bit more clearly. I start to look at, we start to look at our friends and we go, oh my goodness. It's the Lord's faithfulness at work there. Oh, he's faithful. We look at other people's lives and we see how the Lord has set them free. We go like, oh, He's our deliverer. We see him. We see how the Lord's love breaks into people and we go like, oh my goodness, he's love. We see how people come into a revelation of like, oh my goodness, I don't have to walk through this life alone. And Jesus is my savior. He saved me. He's my savior. We see that in one another. But if we don't have this unity amongst one another, we won't see that. It's the Lord that unifies us. I pray we don't have enough time for this message. <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just see here. I'm going to go through this quick, man. There's a few points I want to I wanna just highlight for us. As we know Jesus, as we draw close to Jesus, He draws us close to Him. Yeah. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. How wonderful that moment. We give our hearts to Jesus. We see Him. But then there's another part to that. We reflect Him. See, the salvation story is not just about me. ha. <laughs> There's a bigger picture at work here. It's about a lost and dying world out there that needs Jesus. We see him and we reflect him. How beautiful that is, eh? And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. As we see him, the old is gone, the new has come. We're being transformed into his glory and into his image again and again and again more and more we see him we reflect him beautiful that is and as we see him yeah 
<laughs> we see aspects of his character and of his nature, actually. You know, the Lord's been challenging me this last year to get back to basics. Basic, basic things. Like, don't overcomplicate things. I think we overcomplicate life some, some, sometimes. And one of the things he's been taking me back to is just the salvation thing. What was at work at salvation? And how that continues to work in my life even now. We think of salvation often as this thing, that this decision that we make. It's a once-off thing. And we've signed on the dotted line. Our name's in the book of life. We got the certificate. We're going to file it in the filing cabinet of life. And one day when we die, we're going to get to heaven we're going to get to the pearly gates. We're going to go and we're going to filing drawer open. We're going to look for that piece of paper. There we go. We're going to flash it at the gate and they're going to come in. Nice. So much more to life, man. <laughs> hey? Yeah. Nice, man. Yes, man. Help us. Help us, Lord. Very nice, bro. Sure. Let's read a scripture quickly. How, how much time do we have? We've got about 15 minutes. Okay. About 15 minutes. I'm going to give us brush strokes here. What happens at salvation? Now, I think of my own life. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was quite small. And... Um, and it's later in life that I really found the Lord really in a, really in a, deep, in a, deep, in a deep way. And in that moment where the Lord really broke into my life in a real fresh way, it was actually, it was actually around some sinful issues in my own heart that was exposed. It was a moment where I, I kind of stood there with my sin in my hands and I stood face, facing the Lord. There was just this moment where I stood before His holiness. And there was a, and it's in that moment of standing and beholding him, seeing him, seeing, seeing his holiness, that I realized how sinful I actually was, you know? And it's in that moment where I realized, like, oh my goodness, I really fall short here. I really, really fall short. And in the moment, there was like a life and death decision for me in that moment. And that's what salvation is, really. It's a life and death decision. It's a decision where we stand, we kind of like go like, hang on, I've got a, I've got a decision to make. If I don't make this, they, this may not end well for me. And there was a sense of fear that came in my heart, like, oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, like if I don't sort this thing out, there's something in me that is going to keep me away from knowing, from knowing and interacting and seeing and being part of what I'm seeing now, Jesus. I'm seeing his holiness, I'm seeing something of his beauty, I'm seeing something of his splendor, I'm seeing something of his glory. And, and then I'm looking at myself and it, that light comes and shines on my own life. And it goes like, hey, I haven't got things together here. And it put like a holy fear in my heart. And it's just like almost, like almost like a quaking in my boots, you know. And it's interesting with fear. Fear and love has got this interesting relationship with one another. It says that perfect love drives out fear. And we don't want to get into too much of that. But it, it is. And fear kind of preserves us. Okay can also destroy us, but fear is a great preserver. We know there's like, we don't jump out of a plane, we don't, we're scared, we're scared of, we're scared of, yeah, we're scared of falling, you know, like fear of heights. It's not the falling that's the problem, it's a sudden stop at the end that generally kills us. But it's that, it's that, <laughs> it's that fear of heights, it keeps us safe, it preserves us, 
in a sense. And I was thinking about that actually now just in the worship, and I was just going, oh, Lord, yeah, thank you that we don't have to be scared of you, but we are. We are fearful of those things that keep us from you. And we want to deal with those things properly. And always, we want to keep ourselves in that place. It's not just a once-off thing. It's not just a thing that we come and we give our hearts to Jesus and he washes us clean. Oh, now we're clean. Oh, wonderful. Woo-hoo, lacquer. No, it's a continual thing. It's, it's, Lord, search me and know me. Show me those things that are not from you. Help me to deal with those things. And as we do, as we do, it leads us to Jesus. So, um, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, because we, we need to look at this fear thing quickly. So I'm going to quickly read for us in, um, in Matthew 28. Okay. It is the day that, I'm going to read for us quickly, and we're going to go through this, and I think we're going to land there. Okay. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love it. It's beautiful. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, so this is, this is important here. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Why are they not afraid? For I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. There's something beautiful here. We see fear at work. The gods who are opposing, opposing what God is trying to accomplish in the world, this reconciliation for them, that holy fear came, and they became as dead men. Okay. But for those who seek the Lord, the invitation comes. It says, come and look. Come and look. I know. You're actually looking for this Jesus that was crucified. And yes, he was. And he was buried. But come and look. The tomb is empty. That was the completion of that. It wasn't the cross alone. It's the resurrection of Jesus. Forgiveness of sins. It leads him to that place of forgiveness doesn't just leave them, lead them to a place of forgiveness. Um, so they were scared. I mean, the, I mean, imagine, imagine you get to, you're standing in front of this angel like lightning. Yo, I don't know, it's a frightening sight. I think we've lost some of the reverence in our just modern day church of what it is to, to know God and be, in, and be in his presence, you know? We come humbly. And in that place, they get an invitation, but they get an invitation because they're seeking Jesus. So are you seeking Jesus? Is that a priority for you? Leads, it, leads them to a place of seeing the empty tomb, which rep, represents forgiveness of sins. And then that place of being, forgive, being forgiven, it says, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. 
Behold, he is going before you. And it says then, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear. See, the fear never left, but it's a different fear. The fear never left. It's a different fear that was at work. But there was great joy. They weren't like the dead men. They were seeking Jesus, and there was a great joy that came over them. So wonderful. And behold, and then, and then, and then, it says, and then behold, Jesus met them. And Jesus comes to them. He says, greetings. He welcomes us. And it's in that place. They came, and they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. How beautiful. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. They were obviously quaking still. Jesus saw something. He's like, listen, I don't want you to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be afraid. You can boldly come. There's a price paid for your sin. But in them, fear was actually still at work. Does it make sense? Can I wait? So fear actually leads us closer to the Lord. So, yeah, the Lord's just been working in my own heart. Just on going like, yo, am I, as, is my heart open? Is my heart open in his presence for the Lord to point out things in me? Is forgiveness still at work in my heart? Am I coming to the Lord regularly and going like, Lord, search me, know me? It's in that place because I don't want to mess up this relationship with the Lord, man. It's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. So in, so in that moment, it leads us to the Lord, leads us to a place of worshiping Him, falling at His feet. And guys, that's not something that's just at work at, at salvation. That's something that works in us continuously. This love. What does this love do? This love is not just meant for us. It's meant to accomplish something in us. And it's meant to activate something in us. And as we come and we experience the love of the Father, we forgive us, we, we receive his forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins. He makes us whole, he washes us clean, and in that moment, he accepts the acceptance of a father comes, his love comes and 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 just floods into us. And we almost are standing under a waterfall, waterfall of his love. And in that place, his love draws us close, it steadies the trembling heart. His love binds up the brokenness. His love that fights for us. Um, a love that lay down his life for us. Love that fills us with confidence and faith. A love that repairs the instabilities of our lives and builds that which is strong and eternal. A love that makes right the wrongs. A love that teaches and trains and guides. A love that works in us to reflect his glory. A love that molds and shapes us to be more like him. How wonderful it is to know love like that. But as love is there to accomplish something, what is it there to accomplish? As we experience His love, so there's an overflow of that love into those around us. 1 John 4. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or his sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and their sister whom they have seen, whom they have seen um, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. I'm going to stop there. He's given us this command. It's like a law. It's like gravity. It's like gravity. When I drop something, it's going to fall. That's just the law. That's the law of gravity. He gives us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Oh, so that's what the love is for. Okay, so how do we, so how do, we do this thing? So, so let, me, let me just, okay, 
So let me just read verse 21 again. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother and his sister. Okay. So let me, let me, let me, let me paraphrase this for you. Anyone who loves God only loves God because they were first loved by God. Okay. Let me say this again. Anyone who loves God only loves God because they were first loved by God and can do no other than to love his brother and sister in the same way. When this love takes hold of us, it compels us to love one another. How beautiful is that? It's a love that draws one another close. It's a love that steadies the trembling heart. It's a love that binds up the brokenness. It's a love that fights for one another. It's a love that lays down his life for his brother and his sister. It's a love that builds faith into the hearts of others. It's a love that helps others be strong in the Lord. It's a love that never gives up. It's a love that makes right what's wrong. It's a love that gently teaches, trains, and guides. It's a love that is not self-seeking. It's a love that always points to Jesus. It's another thing that starts to happen when this love takes hold of our hearts. And I'm deviating from the notes here, trying to navigate through this. We're going to end now. We're talking about loving one another here. It's easy to love one another here. It's easy. Adopted into the same family. And sometimes we have a tiff with one another and it's like brothers. You get in the car and there's this roster of who sits in the front seat. <laughs> yeah, Aish. And you get in there, you get in the car, and the eldest brother takes the front seat and the youngest brother is very indignant. It was my turn to sit in the front seat. Don't you know this, hey? <laughs> and, the old, <laughs> and the older brother goes, it's my birthright because I'm the oldest son. <laughs> Keep quiet, younger brother. <laughs> they get to school. They go off their separate ways in a tiff. First break comes. Younger brother is sitting on the playground. And, this, and the playground bully comes and he kicks the youngest brother's lunch tin across the playground. <laughs> and, the younger, and the older brother catches this from the side and he sees what's going on. He's like, hey, what's going on there? And he marches over there. He's like, he's like hey, what do you think you're doing? You can't, you, can't, you can't treat my brother like this. We blood, man. We blood, man. I'm going to take you out. <laughs> Capish. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going to take you out, man. It's my brother. We blood. Now, it's easy to love one another because in a sense we are blood, you know. We're brothers and sisters. We share. We've been, we've been born again. And you know what's so beautiful? We actually do share blood. It's the blood of Jesus, man. Yes. He washed us clean. So it's, you know, in a sense we're not going to see eye to eye on everything. But we can work it out. We can work it out, man. We can work it out. We fight for one another, man. We stand with one another. Because you're my brother. You're my sister. I got your back. 
But what this love starts to do as well is to start, starts to stir something in our hearts for what's out there. Those who don't know Jesus. When it starts to do, when this love starts to take hold of our hearts, man, it's going to do this. It's going to start to do this amongst you. And I feel almost like the Lord wants to actually do this amongst you. For some of you, He's going to start stirring a love, maybe for the business community. You're going to see these business guys, and the Lord's going to stir something in your heart. Something's going to start aching in your heart for this. We walked past a homeless guy. We walked to church this morning. There was a guy lying on the duvet on the side of the road. For some of you, he's going to start stirring a love for the homeless. The Lord's going to start stirring something in your heart for that. I want to say to you, don't turn that off. Don't turn that off in your heart. For some of you, he's going to start stirring a love for, for the schools around you and for the high schools. And he's going to give you an open door to even speak into, into those Christian societies in the sense that's at work with the Scripture Union or whatever. The Lord's going to start giving you a heart. Don't turn off. Don't turn off that voice. Don't turn off that love. For some of you, he's going to put a love for young moms with small babies with small kids. He's going to give you love for them. Lord, what must I do with that? Don't turn off that voice. The Lord's stirring you for more. He's stirring you up into more. For some of you, it's going to be the young, young guys. And you're going to have something in your heart stirring to see young guys walk in purity. To be the men that they are called to be. To be the husbands that they are called to be. It's going to stir a love in your heart for that. Don't turn off that. Don't turn off that voice. Don't turn off that love. He's stirring something in you. So in closing, man, Chad. Yeah. The Lord's busy working in us, man. His great love grabs a hold of us. And he changes us. And he shapes us. And we see him. And then we reflect him into the world as love flows out from us into the world around us, draws us together.